One minute past the hour, 8 o'clock. Good morning to you, Vancouver, Lower Mainland, all of Canada, all the stations along the vast Sportsnet radio network from coast to coast and throughout British Columbia who are joining us here today. Glad you're here for the third period of play. I'm Brooke Ward, Dan O'Connor riding shotgun, A-Dog, Andy Cole doing the damage here. We're in for Halford and Bruff, and they are back on Tuesday. We're here Thursday, Friday as well. So tell a friend. And maybe avoid this program for the next three or four days. Uh, meanwhile, Chris Faber to join us from Canucks Army in just a couple of moments. This hour, Hulford and Bruff brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit Campbell-Pound.com and do it today, folks, as we come your way from the Kintech studios as well. What we learned coming up at the bottom of the hour, you want to get those submissions in right now to the Dunbar Lumber Text line at 650-650. You can do so. We'll drift through some of those issues as well. Basically, we're hanging, we're hugging on to the same format that the pros use when they're here. Dan and my job, and Andy as well, is to keep the ball in the fairway for the next two, three days until the boys come back and try and chip it on the green and put it in the hole. Were those golf references? Those were, okay. and I'm just like, I thought that's the dazzling part of the morning. If I'm doing a demo tape, hang on to that moment. <laughs> Because that was it, folks. Tied a little bow around that one. Yes, it is a golf reference. Chris Faber is with us. He is the pride of Canucks Army and so many other things I can't count. Chris, my friend, thanks so much for doing this. Good morning to you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you guys as well. If if we're keeping it in the fairway, I'm going to have to pull out the four iron, though, because the driver <laughs> has been a struggle this year. I am so convinced that... Like, I just need to buy a driver this, you know, pretty much kind of this week, actually, for Boxing Week, because last year was just the end. Like, I've had the same driver for three years, and I just feel like after this past summer and this past year of golf, like, it's the driver's fault. It can't be my fault at this point. It's got to be the driver's fault. It always is. I would be about a seven iron, even under like a 450-yard dog leg left, I'm a seven (laughs) iron off the tee to try and just bunt it forward and keep it in the fairway. If I'm four iron, Chris, I'm spraying that baby in the woods for sure. I'm shanking that. I'm spraying it, whatever it is. I was not good with the – I was worse with the three iron. Can you hit a two iron? I've always thought like it would be amazing. I don't think I'd ever like keep it in the bag, but to just hit a one iron, right? Like see what that flat iron's like, like the old school one iron. I don't even know if they make them anymore, but that would be a lot of fun. Off the tee, I've one ironed before off the tee years ago because I, I was spraying drivers. I couldn't hit driver way, way <laughs> back. So anyway, that's not why you called, Chris. Thank you so much for doing this, my brother. I can't uh, thank you enough to talk to you for the first time, actually, I believe as well, my friend. So if I'm looking back to last night's game, six tour San Jose, here's your Topics, pick one of four. Makaya, what leaps out at you? Because Horvet's two and two, I get it, but Makayev's one and three, and Besser suddenly one and two last night. Hughes gets his first goal of the year. You got multi-point games all over the place. Petey scores again. Martin makes 24 saves. Canucks only give up two goals. Okay, go. We've got 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, let's let's start with Makayev. I find it so interesting because Like when he was signed, I was thinking, man, this is an interesting player to go after as a winger, right? I mean, it it felt like, 
you know, you kind of knew that either Miller or Horvat was going to have to move on from this season with the big contract being given to Miller. And, and I thought it's interesting that they're signing a winger for this long, but you, you can't complain about what he's coming and done. I mean, f- he's fifth on the team in goals right now, 12 goals just before the new year here. Uh, and he's added to the penalty killing, which has been huge. But I, I thought that about this last night. You know, Mikheyev's not even the first kind of forward pairing to go out there and kill penalties right now. It's becoming, you know, Pedersen and Horvat. Horvat's out there to win the draw, and Pedersen's kind of used as the winger there to go out and win them. But, I mean, you see goals like this from, from Mikheyev, another four-point night. That's pretty damn impressive for him in a Canucks jersey. And and you start to think, okay, maybe this does make sense on this contract. And I'll tell you what, if he's, if he's able to put up 20-plus goals every year on this contract, you're looking back at it and you're saying, wow, like, that was a good deal for the Vancouver Canucks because it's not just the goals, but he's adding something else with that speed. And, and I thought it opened up a lot of ice for a guy like Brock Besser last night who, you know, was able to rip home a goal of his own and kind of a, an old school Brock Besser type goal, which was just great to see from the kid who's probably lacked a little bit of confidence this season. I mean, even last night, you, you heard him talk about hitting rock bottom this season, right? Earlier in the year when he thought he was going to be a healthy scratch on Hockey Fights Cancer Night, and he called it rock bottom. So he's feeling like he's building up the confidence a little bit since that day, and and that's great to see, and you saw it on display last night with that great wrist shot into the top left corner. A lot of storylines, and McKayev too, when they signed him, I didn't know what they'd get out of him. Could they get 20? And he's slowly come along, and Besser with two assists as well. But before I let Dan have a have a piece of you here, I, I can't pass Horvat. I know you've probably talked to death about him as well, my friend. But two more goals and two more assists. And I do sit back and going, how, how can you keep him? But how can you let him go? Yet if you keep bringing the same guys back all the time too and he's your trade chip, then, Chris, you're never going to get any better. You keep bringing the same guys back, your defense doesn't change. you got to do something with them. But, man, I don't want to let him go. Oh, I feel you. I mean, it's he's a treat to watch. It just feels like he, you know, I think the players were joking about it in the room yesterday, just, just saying like, you know, it feels like he tips one in and then absolutely rips one on a rush every single game. It's it's more rare to almost not see him score a goal in a game right now for the Canucks. And it, it is unfortunate, but I think there have been decisions up to this point that have made it very difficult to keep Bo Horvat on your roster. Um, if you could reverse some of those decisions, I'm sure you're looking at a Horvat extension being something that's more plausible for this team, but Right now, the way that they're moving, I mean, the way he's scoring and putting up points, I guess you kind of have to look at it and just say, like, well, he's adding to his trade value, right? I mean, players are going to, you know, GMs around the league are probably looking around and seeing, wow, look at the what Horvat did last night. Eh? Like, maybe that is the guy that's going to get us over the top. And hopefully the Canucks can, you know, have a bunch of potential buyers for Horvat and kind of get to that point. But uh, unfortunately, as much as fans want to see this guy stay around, and especially after what he's done this year and you know how much water he's carried for this organization in his time here as a Canuck, it's unfortunate. But uh, just the way that things have led up to this point, I, I just see it being too difficult to keep this guy re-signed here in Vancouver. So, you know, keep scoring, keep raising that trade value. And, and I hope, uh, I think Canucks fans are kind of in the same boat here where like, we all kind of just hope for Bo Horvat to have success wherever he goes after here. I, I really hope that uh, when he is traded, if he is traded, which I expect to see, I, I hope that team goes and wins the Stanley Cup. Heck, I, I don't care if it's the Boston Bruins. I, I'd love to see Bo Horvat go win the Stanley Cup. That would be something I would love to see at the end of this year. Chris, good to chat with you, man. Been a long time and uh, happy new year and, and happy belated holidays to you, buddy. Um, so Lane Peterson, uh, tore it up in the American Hockey League. 
to the tune of 17 goals in 18 games with the Abbotsford Canucks. And I would say the early sample of him with the Canucks has been impressive to the tune of three points in the five games. Playing with Pedersen certainly helps him. Um, how much staying power do you see early on with Lane Peterson? And, and does he sort of have um, maybe something that's been missing for this Canucks team? And do you see him as a potential you know, even if he's sort of a fringy in-and-out sort of guy, is is his tenure in the NHL going to be a lengthy one this time around? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Like, if you look at the way that this management group kind of used players coming up from the AHL, like your random guy would come out of NCAA or the AHL and end up playing with Sidney Crosby and having success and being there for a long time. And I, I'm curious to see if they try some other names as well. Like is Lane Peterson, the only guy that, that they have in the AHL, that might be an option uh, right now. He is playing extremely well in that role. I, I know that he's like an extremely liked player around the locker room and kind of in the hockey world. Uh, so, I mean, for him, for Peterson to come up here and have this type of success, uh, you saw it in the HL and you're like, okay, hey, he's a first line center killing penalties on the power play, you know, not only on the power play, but the trigger man on the power play on the left half wall there for that shot. And he had, he was doing all the right things down there and just kind of knew, like there was a feeling out there when I was in Abbotsford doing some post game conversations with the coach or with him that you know, that he wasn't just going to be an AHL scorer. Like the organization must have communicated with him to some degree that he was going to be a player who's going to get some NHL time. I mean, even uh, talking to Jeremy Carlton, the head coach out there in Abbotsford, he's like, yeah, all these goals are great, but this isn't where he's going to kind of peak this season. He's going to get to the NHL and these type of things. And, and now we're seeing it up to this point. And I think it's good that Bruce Boudreaux is interesting the way that he talks about the AHL and kind of views the AHL where if you score a lot of goals in the AHL, it doesn't mean that you deserve a call up to play on the fourth line. Like if you're scoring at a ridiculous rate, like Peterson was, maybe you should be scoring at the NHL a little bit as well, or at least contributing in the offensive zone. And, and that's something that I've liked about Boudreaux so far is that if you need a fourth liner, call up that type of player from the AHL. If you kind of need a top nine scoring type player, call up a guy like Lane Peterson. It'll be kind of curious to see if Linus Carlson is another guy from Abbotsford who gets a shot to play with a Pedersen or with a Horvat or with a JT Miller type of thing in a top nine role. Like they have a few of these guys that might make sense to hop into their top nine as they develop guys who could be fourth liners like, you know, Will Lockwood and some other players down there that could contribute there. So it's more about the kind of the role that he's been put in at the NHL being such a good fit for the player. Uh, and, and I've been damn impressed with what he's done so far. He's He's got good hands. He's got good release. He's, you know, making the plays at the NHL level. There's there's somewhat of a question, I think, sometimes when you see these AHL players come in where, you know, their passes don't look as crisp, right? Like, you know, I've, I've been to a lot of AHL practices. They look very different from NHL practices, but you can always see that one or two or three or hopefully five players in a, in an AHL practice where you're like, oh, he gets it. Like he snaps the puck like an NHL or there's a different look there to that guy, the way he moves, the way he like takes passes without, you know, having to kind of stop his feet to get a puck. Like Lane Peterson was that guy. He was, you know, moving the puck like an NHL or now he's getting a chance to do it right now with, you know, a great set of line mates with uh, Kuzmenko and Pedersen for him. Chris, let's uh, talk a little bit about the, the pipe playing here in the World Juniors. Koskinvo starts for Finland, uh, Ilias Peterson, the defenseman for Sweden, and then, of course, Jonathan Lekromaki. Uh, what can you sort of tell us about the early signs of them at the World Juniors? What have they been doing well? What has sort of piqued your interest when it comes to their play early on at the World Juniors? 
Yeah, I think uh, Kuskenvo got the opportunity to start this tournament for Finland. Um, I It was tough because he had that tough loss against Switzerland. The overtime goal he likely wanted back. Got a good piece of it with his glove on. They end up losing 3-2. Uh, and then the other goalie, Lampinen, I believe is his name, for Finland gets in and, and he gets a win. So, you know, this tournament's so short. It's so fast. It's furious. Like, it's going to be difficult for Kuskenvo to kind of win that starting role back. He, he kind of needed to have a really good game against Switzerland. I think he might get one more opportunity opportunity here uh and for finland it'll be interesting to see who they start against the u.s because that's kind of the guy they're likely going to be rocking with for the uh you know the the run up to the medal round and the uh post preliminary stuff so it'll be interesting to see if koskenvo gets another shot um but for him I, I wasn't expecting him to be the guy who started the first game for finland so that was kind of impressive to see right off the top um, he's a guy who hasn't played a lot this year in Harvard. He's only got a couple starts. He's been to a, a U20 tournament, been loaned away from his uh, NCAA school there. So a um, little bit of a long-term pro- project for Koskenvo. But I tell you what, I, I really like the size of this kid. Um, you could see it felt like there was a smile on Ian Clark's face, like all development camp long when he was working with this kid because he's like, oh, he is lanky. He's you know athletic. There's a lot to like about Koskenvo. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he maybe gets hot or gets an opportunity to play against the U.S., uh, uh, and then plays a little bit more in this tournament. But uh, as for the Swedes, LeCare Mackey, it was good to see him get some confidence in that 11 nothing win for them. Uh, scored a goal, set up an assist. But I, I feel like he's been working a little bit harder than, than he does uh, in his Alsvenskan league right now. So uh, I've thought that LeCare Mackey's had a pretty decent start to this tournament. He hasn't kind of lit it up yet, but he's got another opportunity at this tournament next year. So this one's kind of a building block year. And then to talk about Elias Pettersson, DPD, he's been like he's been way better than I thought he could have been. He's He's been leading right now. He's leading Sweden in penalty killing minutes right now, which is so impressive. Uh, and I just think that he's sort of earning the, the coach's trust over there for Sweden. Like I, I see him on the third pairing right now. I kind of had him as like the seventh or eighth defenseman going into this tournament. He's now on the third pairing. I wouldn't be shocked to see him get into the top four here pretty soon because it feels like his minutes are high. Uh, he's defensively one of their better defensemen so far through this tournament. He moves the puck well. He does a lot of great jobs uh, in his own corner on retrievals. Like DPD's really rising uh, in my view right now as a prospect from what he's doing at this tournament. And it's, it's a tournament. It's not going to change my whole view of him, but it's not just this tournament that DPD's had a, a great start to the year. I mean, he's you know playing double digit minutes in the SHL as an 18 year old. It, it's damn impressive to see what he's doing. So uh, I'm happy to see these continue that success right now in the World Juniors, and uh, hopefully he continues on through the rest of this tournament doing what he's doing right now. Chris, what do you expect from Canada today, taking on Germany? What are you looking for? Hopefully uh, a much better game. Um, you know, I hope they keep doing the the damn Michigan. I don't care what these people are saying. I'm not doing Michigan. I hope I hope they keep doing it. Uh, I hope they scored two of them today and just like you know that's not a topic of discussion anymore. Uh, but they they have such a strong team. I you know I I'm excited to watch Bedard and Fantilli. That's kind of the two things that I really care about from Canada. I mean, I'd like to see them do well, I guess, but I'm not super. Uh, into following Canada as much of the World Juniors anymore, more about the prospects or the Canucks. I I hope Bedard's fun to watch again. Uh, I think he's a lot of like man. I don't know. He he's just unreal. Like he's a blast to watch play this game, uh, and to see what he's doing at his age in this tournament so impressive. So him uh, and Fantilli like like Leo Carlson of Sweden has looked you know pretty solid. He's he's gotten himself into a lot of good positions, but hasn't really had the finish or the kind of 
handles that you want to see uh, kind of in scoring chance situations. I think that's where Fantilli's looked a little bit better. So that battle for, you know, two, three, four in this year's draft is kind of interesting and intriguing to me. So I'm keeping an eye on uh, Fantilli for sure. I'd like to see those young guys kind of, you know, take the reins on this team. Maybe Shane Wright has a little bit of a better bounce back. I felt like he was pretty quiet uh, after scoring that goal for Canada early on. So uh, they have all the skill. They just have to have a good bounce back. That was uh yeah, that was an unfortunate start to this tournament for them. They looked horrible uh, in their opening game. So you got to have a big bounce back here and uh, keep doing the Michigan. Did you see Bedard when he was here? I mean, have you seen him live before as well? TV's one thing, but because he was unbelievable to watch, certainly for the first half of the hockey game against the Giants when he was here a month ago. Haven't seen him in person yet, uh, but I definitely want to try and get out to one uh, one opportunity to see him before he gets drafted here, but I've seen him, uh, you know, on tape, obviously, and the things he's doing are ridiculous. I actually had uh, my fiance's parents up in Saskatoon, where my, you know, my uh, my future mother-in-law here was like clipping video for me from the stands. Uh, she was yeah. doing her best job of being a scout, uh, sending me every chance of Connor Bedard almost scoring a goal when they were in Saskatoon. So I appreciate that, uh, but I haven't seen him in uh, with my own eyes in person just yet. Oh man, it's a good thing. Just cutting Dan off here too, but it's January 25th. Top prospects are out at the Langley Event Center this year. Oh yeah. If you can get there, get there. Because this guy, playing for Regina was something too, because obviously he steps up in talent in the uh, top prospects. But the crowd out there, ooing and awing at the Giants game with so many of the moves this guy. Uh, well worth it as I pass the torch back over to Dan O'Connor here. Yeah, Chris, just want to talk a little bit about the upcoming schedule for the Canucks. Uh, uh, their next 12 games, the only team that didn't make the playoffs a year ago is the Winnipeg Jets. They get Winnipeg twice, and it's a Winnipeg team that I think is is playing some darn good hockey, and we know what happened at Rogers Arena back on the 17th. Um, but just a thought first about the Winnipeg Jets as, as a standalone tomorrow evening, but then just the importance and the significance of this schedule where we're going to see Colorado twice, albeit an injured Colorado squad. But that, that southern road swing, Tampa Bay, Florida, Carolina, there is some tough hockey lying ahead for this Canucks team. And I think that, I mean, if, if they can go, I mean, heck, maybe they go 7-5 and five on this trip and they are further improving their, their chances at, at slipping into a playoff spot. But it's looking pretty grim, at least on the onset. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, seven road games here over your next, uh, next nine. That's going to be a tough road, obviously. And, and the teams you're playing, you mentioned the way you finish that road trip going, going, you know, going up against the Lightning, Panthers, Hurricanes. Um, that's the other thing is you can't look that far down the road, right? You got to come in here and take care of business against the Jets, who um, I, I think the Jets match up really well against the Canucks. And obviously, they just came in here and beat the wheels off of Vancouver in a 5 1 loss. Uh, the Jets just. You know, they rely on having a good top four. Their top four is going to be one of the stronger ones that you're going to see in the NHL. Uh, and the goaltending that they're obviously getting from Hellebuck has seen a really nice bounce back. So uh, it, it is interesting because the Canucks are kind of riding off of their offense over the last three games. I mean, you score six, you score five, you score six. That's great. Can you keep that up against a team that does have, you know, a really good back end to what they're made and constructed from? So it'll be an interesting matchup here. I, I don't think the Canucks have to... Uh, you know what? I don't think the Canucks have the ability to change their game, to be honest. I, I think they have to play the thing that's given them success up to this point in the season when they've had success. But it just feels like this Jets team is one of the ones that 
you know, the Canucks, it's going to be very hard for them to play their game and, and kind of have their success the way they've been having it this season against because it is a defensive-minded team. It's a team that can also score a little bit and get a little bit of offense from the back end. It'll be an interesting matchup for sure, but it definitely sets up here to, you know, I, I really look at this little two-game road trip through Winnipeg and Calgary, and I think, hey, you really got to build here because you're about to run into just an absolute buzzsaw with what you have coming up uh, in kind of the first not even the first half, like literally all of January is just tough matchups uh, kind of until you get to like the Blackhawks, I think on like the 24th or 25th, like yeah. and up until that point, you are just running into just such difficult teams up to this point. So you kind of need to start to bank a couple here. Uh, and with the short little two game road trip, I think this is time to do it. Uh, and just lastly, from me, Chris, a thought on uh, the, the NHL uh, Elias Patterson. I mean, what a run he is on. I mean, number 11 now in league scoring, uh, but just what he's doing with the puck, what he's doing without the puck. Um, and, and I mean, it, it just sort of seems like we're maybe not even talking about him enough because of just such a an emphasis on Bo Horvat and the situation that's going on with him right now. But I mean, now at age 24, can you just sort of speak to where he is at in his game today and just how significant he has sort of been to this search for the Canucks where they've now gone seven of their last 10? Yeah, I think it's interesting to like the way you view Pedersen, like, is he peaking, right? Like, is is this this like the the opening of kind of, you know, you talk about windows for teams in the playoffs and, and kind of when they can win the Stanley Cup. Like, I think this is the opening of Elias Pedersen's. This is the best version of me window. This is kind of the time where you're going to see him be the player who wants to get these tough matchups. And last night it was interesting that he actually matched up against the Sharks third line. And I'm curious to see, does it look different against Winnipeg? Is it different against Calgary? Does he get the McDavid matchup here and there? Because to see him get into that situation where he wasn't matched up against top six, the the fact that the Canucks have the ability to do that right now with the centers that they're deploying, um, that puts him into a really good spot for Boudreaux to kind of, you know, work his magic a little bit with the line matches that he can do. And, and for Pedersen, I mean, I don't know. There's there's like nothing that he's doing that's not at an elite level right now. Honestly, he he's handling the puck so well. I was even kind of watching yesterday how many times, whether it be a breakout or one of his line mates as he was kind of going into the neutral zone, you know, the the, the pass wasn't great. Sometimes it was, you know, into his skates and uh, behind him at times. And it just felt like it didn't matter. Like he was going to either kick it up or reach back and, you know, not break stride and still continue to go in and just sort of do such a good job in the neutral zone of moving the puck in the right direction that everything he's doing right now is just excellent. And you said it like it's, you know, we can only praise him and name our podcast titles at something about Pedersen so often before it gets a little annoying because he, he's doing such amazing things for the Canucks right now and leading the way for this team. He feels like he's on pace to be a hundred point uh, scorer right now for this Canucks team. And, you know, he's an absolute leader on the ice and it'll be interesting to see what he's like kind of when the room starts to change, because uh, I, I think a lot of people in this, in the Canucks locker room, look at him and they say like, wow, this is, this is our leader on the ice. I'm curious to see if that changes to also being in the room here pretty soon. Uh, when we do start to see a shift with, you know, potentially guys like Shen and Horvat being moved out, uh, it'll be interesting to see what that leadership role is like for Pedersen moving forward here. But right now, uh, everything he's doing on the ice screams that he's, you know, the leader of this team. Chris, you are the leader of the pack here for us today. Thank you so much for doing this, my friend. Very nice to chat with you, big guy. 
Absolutely appreciate it. I got to head down for a haircut. Uh, Dano knows the spot. I got to get out here pretty quick. So I'm going to hit the roads before the highways get too busy. Yeah, I hear you. Take care out of the highways, man. Give some extra room for yourself. That's a message for everybody out there on the highways, too. If the weather's going to be bad, I don't know what it's doing out there right now. But uh, when I came in this morning, it was raining out. And when I came back from Langley last night from the Giants game, a 3-2 victory over Victoria Royals, it was ugly and hard to see the stripes on the road, that is for sure. Coming up next, what we learned. Get your submissions in right now. The 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text uh, text uh, line. Text box? Text line? What do you guys call it? Both. Why? Why is what? it a text line? <laughs> I mean, I think you're overthinking it. It's the inbox. It's the text line. I am probably overthinking text it. Text basket, if you will. I've been accused of that before. We got one in here I want to fit in just before we get to break here. Uh, Brooke, you're on the radio again. Did someone lose a bet? You're terrible. You're horrible. Who made this call at 650? That's from Mike Halford. We're back with more at Sportsnet 650 Radio right after this. Halford and Brush Show. Everything you want in a talk show except Halford and Bruff. They are missing in action this week. They'll be back next week on Tuesday. Myself, Brooke Ward, Dan O'Connor, himself, A-Dog, Andy Cole, himself, they self. We're all here. We're all ourselves. And we're here tomorrow and the next day as well. And we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews, you can find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. What we learned coming up, just a shout-out to my nephew Tyson, who's out there, and he's into the inbox here. My nephew Tyson, listening in the morning, says it's kind of trippy to hear me on the radio. I, Tyson, am the reason there are buttons on the radio so people can change the station, but I'm glad you are listening, my brother. Happy holidays to you, too, fellow Tyson. Tyson Code! Out there at Radio Land. You got that? Anybody listening? Is your dad listening, uh, Dano? Have you heard from him today? He said he might listen. Uh, I have, yes. I've, I've received a text message from my dad saying that, that you are sounding excellent and I am sounding just okay. Well, so, you're a little hollow. You know, part of the course. You're a bit hollow, but yeah. But he said that when the, when the lines were clear, I think your dad said that about you too. So it's not at all runs in the family. Uh, what we learned, we're going to get Dan and I involved in this, of course. It's my first time through this. I, I'm not going to ask for humanoids, because I think that's that's Halford and Bruff's thing, the humanoids. But the listener out there, I will move it. And I think it's a great thing. I just don't want to steal their stuff, you know? That's copyright infringement. So the listener out there, the texter in there, you can get your messages in, your what we learned right now. Or if you're a relative of mine, feel free to tell me it's trippy. To hear me on the radio, get 650, 650. That is the text message inbox, the Dunbar Lumbar text line. You can send things through. What I learned, Dan O'Connor, is that I'm going off topic here. I'm moving into baseball territory. I learned that Carlos Correa, maybe of the Mets, has some health issues. I don't know if you've heard that as well. The Mets are the second team out there. The Giants, the first one, they're now doing extra homework on a 2014 leg fracture and whatever that may mean. I'm thinking, is, are they thinking it's arthritic? What are they seeing on these x-rays, the MRIs, that they're concerned about with having this guy survive parts of a 12-year deal, Dan? This is fascinating to me. And, and I mean, even a week ago, 
um, you know, just the sort of the storyline of Carlos Correa. So brought into MLB with the Houston Astros, uh, signs a one-year deal last year with the Minnesota Twins and only ups his value. This, this guy can play the game. The San Francisco Giants are the first team involved in this Carlos Correa saga. They have had a disastrous offseason. They thought they had Aaron Judge. They lose Carlos Rodon. Um, all is saved in San Francisco because they signed Carlos Correa to this massive free agent contract. But wait, the, there's no sign of a press conference. There's no... You, you know, pen gets put to paper, but there's there's something, there's a fly in the ointment. They end up reneging on the deal because of a health scare and, and or, or a concern, I suppose, a, a health concern with Carlos Correa. Uh, you cannot disclose your findings because of medical privacy. So literally in, in a deal that I think got finalized at about three or four in the morning out east, the New York Mets swoop in they signed Carlos Correa to a, a contract in excess of $300 million. But wait, their medical research also suggests that there is a problem with Carlos Correa. Uh, lots of suspicion, uh, to your point, Brooke, about the fact that it's, it's an ankle that was injured. And um, there is some real questions about the long-term viability of Carlos Correa because you're signing him for all of this money on the understanding that he is going to be your shortstop for probably at least the next eight to 10 years before maybe you transition him elsewhere. If he's got a bum ankle, he can't play shortstop. He, he's still a very valuable hitter and a very valuable player in Major League Baseball, but he is nowhere near the size of the contract that both the San Francisco Giants or the New York Mets have been paying him so right now the sense i'm getting is that he there's probably a 50 percent chance that he's a new york met maybe by the end of this week but going from 100 percent to 50 percent because of this concern it is quite something the the evolution of this carlos correa story well there's other teams still in the mix for him too which is interesting like there's three other teams that want their doctors maybe to take a look at him up to three other teams for correa as well i'm just suggesting out of the blue if this is from the 2014 fracture if that's what the medical all the doctors are looking at right now then i'm i'm guessing they're seeing something on mris or whatnot that indicate that it could be arthritic this or that you're not going to survive 12 years but this also makes the giants and their fans feel better i guess because they might have looked like they had egg in their face what do you mean we didn't sign them then you told us you had them, and then the Mets took them. They don't have a problem with them. Well, now you have two teams that have problems with them. So this maybe soothes some of the ill will the San Francisco fans were feeling about it. Uh, I'm going to sneak one in, but just before I do here, I have another one in the inbox too. Brooke, you suck. You're terrible. Get off the air. Whose idea was this? It's from Jason Bruff. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. What do we do, Andy? Usually I do one more. He does one. Well, I'm new here. Well, normally they each do one, okay. and then they go to the listeners. And then they go point. to you? I actually have one as well. Okay, yeah, you go. Yeah. You I'm new here. It? Yeah, I'm new here. All I don't right, know right, what right. they do. Just do one? I got like a ton of these No, things. usually it's just one each really? from the host. Sometimes Laddie and myself will do one, and then they'll go to the listeners at mm. that point. Well, that was mine too. Actually, I haven't given Dan his chance yet. I forgot all about that. Dan, I was shutting you out. You were so good on that, I thought it was yours. Oh. 
again, again. Um, what have you yeah, learned? You know, like, uh, quickly, you know, I'll go hashtag what we learned. Um, there is a, a another team in the doldrums of the NHL standings that nobody is talking about. We know the struggles of the Chicago Blackhawks. Back-to-back nine-game losing streaks. They just got their eighth win of the season not too long ago. We know the struggles of the Chicago Blackhawks. We know about the Anaheim Ducks and their horrendous goal differential. There is a third team that is sort of in that real bottom mix. Uh, Chicago with 20 points, 22 points on the season for the Anaheim Ducks. Um, No, it is not Arizona. No, it is not Philadelphia. This really surprised me today when I saw that the second worst team in the NHL right now, points-wise, the Columbus Blue Jackets. After an offseason where they spend, 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 they get Johnny Gaudreau, they've got their, their dream tandem of wingers with Patrick Laine and Johnny Gaudreau, but this team has just been decimated by injuries so So many key pieces on the back end are gone. Uh, The injury early in the season to Jonas Corposalo in the net, followed by the injury to Elvis Merzlikens during the season. Um, I think the acquisition of Johnny Gaudreau certainly had me and probably a lot of hockey fans in Columbus thinking, okay, we're probably a fringy playoff team, especially with what we have up front. But what a disaster it has been for the Columbus Blue Jackets in year one of Johnny Gaudreau. And they're in the the Bedard hunt right now, clearly as well, Dan. Huh? They're right there. But, but okay, but but let's say Columbus does finish with with the the best draft lottery odds. All of a sudden, you've got your center because I think you know with with Columbus, you, you sort of look at the makeup of that team. The one thing that they are clearly missing is that number one center. You know, I think Cole Sillinger. There's some great potential there. Kent Johnson, of course, who. Uh, has some local ties who who is his oozing skill, but um, Columbus is right there in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. And if you sort of fast forward two or three years, and you possibly have Connor Bedard in the middle with a Patrick Laine and a Johnny Gaudreau, that could be very scary fodder for teams out east when it comes to facing the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, if I'm looking at the best odds right now at the moment, yeah, it's Chicago. And then with 20 points, Columbus have 22 points, played the same amount of games. You get into Anaheim's played 35 games, two more games. They have 22 points. So it's actually, I guess, percentage-wise, it's right there between Chicago and Anaheim. If I am Bedard right now, and I'm looking, by the way, thank goodness of Arizona. If I'm Bedard, thank goodness Arizona's nine clear of Chicago right now. Keep it going. I don't want to, who wants to go to Arizona and play at a 5,000-seat stadium? I mean, give me a break. But if I'm Bedard, that's the team I want to avoid. I'm starting to look around now thinking, okay, Anaheim, I could play in Anaheim. I got sandals. Chicago, Taves and Kane are on their way. Dan, I could fit right in there. Those guys are leaving. That's good. Columbus even. There's Goodrow and others. You could throw Philadelphia at me too, possibly in the mix. Keep me away from Arizona. I don't know if you'd want to go to Arizona, Dan, but if I had my choice, that's not, despite sandal weather there too, that's not the place I want to go. If you want anonymity, uh, Arizona is is a perfect place, and, and right now the the sense with the Arizona Coyotes is that uh, uh, their their goaltender Vejmelka is is playing too well. 
he is stealing games for the Arizona Coyotes, and that is certainly giving them uh, worse Connor Bedard odds compared to the other teams that we discussed. Uh, truly, at the end of the day, Brooke, I, I think when the dust settles, it is going to be a two-horse race between Chicago and Anaheim. But um, again, when I when I learned today that the Columbus Blue Jackets are tied with Anaheim for the second worst point total in the NHL as of December twenty eighth, uh, that was uh, that was surprising to me. Yeah, if I the Canucks, unfortunately, I would say I say unfortunately, but they played themselves out of the Connor Bedard sweepstakes at the moment. Their odds certainly are less if they if you want to pro weight where they are right now, and that's so Canuck too. They're going to finish. I say they missed the playoffs. I predicted before the year started they missed the playoffs, but they get up right near the middle of the pack again because that's where they are right now. They're a middle-of-the-pack team that isn't bad enough to get these good draft picks and can't win a lottery. Not that I expect them to. Not their fault. They're not bad enough to get the good picks, and they're not good enough to even get into the playoffs, let alone make some noise once they get there. And that's where the Canucks are going to be for a long time. The Bo Horvat deal, if it's going to happen, has to change. Has to change the complexion. Uh, the hockey club. Do we cow moo now? Cow moo? Uh, moo yeah. cow. <laughs> I like the cow moo better. I like to change Close things enough. up. The cow moo. I knew what I was doing there. I meant to do that one, folks. The dyslexic so cow, you. maybe. Another uh, from the inbox. Going to go to the inbox, too. Brooke, you suck. Why are you on the air? Get off the air. That's from Dan O'Connor. Dan. <laughs> Dan. Uh, I had to. Come on, man. Halford and Bruff, I get. Uh, but I mean, come on. Not very nice. Uh, the inbox, Steve, Leaf Hater Steve. Oh, yeah, no, wait a minute. Before we get, like, yeah, I may as well do Steve while I'm here. Then we're going to get to uh, yeah, 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 A-Dog because I already started here down the road. Because uh, you have uh, audio, too, to go with yours, don't I you? I do. Okay, good. If it's not, if it's the audio I'm thinking of, great. If it's not, I'm going to ask for some audio because something I learned, too, last night. Probably the same thing, though. Leaf Hater Steve in the inbox, 650-650 inbox. I learned that Bo Horvat will win a cup and have his jersey put into the ring of honor. It just won't be as a Canuck. Horvat's, yeah. There is an outside chance you see Bo Horvat lift the Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins this year. That'd be crazy, man. The Bruins are right there, too. Well, Does Horvat get moved this year, Dan? Hundred. Uh, I, I, I resist. I, I almost said one hundred percent, but but right now I'm I'm certainly in the ninety two percent chance that, that that probably happens. Just uh, uh, unless this Canucks team goes into the month of January and far 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 surpasses the expectations, I think that uh, that that he is good as gone, and, and that this is going to be uh, a tough thing for me to say and admit, but I think the Boston Bruins are as good a fit as any. And uh, I think when I was looking at Stanley Cup odds last night, the Boston Bruins right now have the top odds to win the Stanley Cup heading into 2023. A-Dog, looking forward to hearing what you got for what we learned. Yeah, well, it's uh, from last night. kind of made me laugh. I mean, you saw the quotes going around on Twitter. I have the audio attached to it. Uh, after Hughes got his first, scored his first goal last night, uh, Bo Horvat skated up to him and joked about giving him the game puck because he got his first goal. Uh, he was not too impressed with that. Here's the audio. No, I mean, <laughs> I, well, I, it's not like I do that every game. It took me a long, long time. Um, you know, Bo came up to me and said if I wanted the puck. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but it's not funny. And, uh, you know, for me, I think I, I, that shouldn't happen uh, for me. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you go through a stretch like that and, 
felt like I was hitting lots of posts and just not, you know, getting the result. But like I said earlier, I've been happy with my game last 10, 15, 20 games. So um, just got to keep that going. And if the results come, great. And if not, it is what it is. He's still pretty well a point-of-game player. But if you told me right now he'd have one goal yeah. and have just scored it, I would have said, the reaction, the reaction after he scored, I mean, you could tell he was a little, oh. bit, a little sheepish with the whole thing. It's like, oh, my gosh, finally. What a goal. Oh, it was an amazing what goal. What a goal. Great way to score your first goal of the year. But, I mean, you could tell he was a little like, okay, finally I get it. Get the monkey off the back. But uh, You hope he, so. You he, hope. He, he wished he had a few more by now, I'm sure. If he's going to get 10 on the year, then he's going to score a lot of goals the rest of the way. And so you'll take it. But it's just amazing. I thought one of the key things on that play, by the way, uh, which could have easily been pointed out, and I'm sure it was on the broadcast, was Mikhaev, who got an assist on that play. Once the first swoop around the net by uh, Hughes, the puck went to Mikhaev, who was bright enough to just basically tap and stop the puck and leave it for Hughes skating by. You know how many other guys would have taken that puck and done something with it? Hughes took it basically off the tape of Mikhaev, who left it for him, circled around again, buried it top shelf. First-class goal all the way around. Goal of the year for the Canucks, I would think, right now as I'm looking back. Uh, it is definitely one of the nicest goals oh, they've scored this year. Maybe the nicest, yeah. Does this guy get 10 by the end of the year, Dan? Oof. That's a I, lot. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got 48 games now to go. Uh, not Nine goals in 48 games for, for Quinn, especially since he's just such a pass-first defenseman. Um, I, I would say the odds of him getting to 60 points – is probably far more likely than 10 goals. But, um, you know, he's just such a great skater and such a great puck distributor that, uh, you, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the more goals that can come from this Canucks blue line is uh, is certainly ideal. I mean, you look at and, and sort of see Ekman Larson, one goal, Tyler Myers, no goals yet on this season. So uh, if, if, if the New Year's resolution for Quinn Hughes is to find the back of the net more. That is certainly going to help the Canucks cause uh, in, in a lot of areas here. And uh, guys, a, a good what we learned here coming from Minor Matt in Abbotsford, um, and this is sort of fitting with Winnipeg coming up again on the schedule. Uh, what we learned, I learned that Josh Morrissey is the only defenseman in the league this season to play a minimum of five games uh, to have not gone consecutive games without a point. And this is a, a Josh Morrissey, a first-round pick, a guy who uh, ha, has has sort of sputtered back and forth a little bit in his career, but to have gone an entire season uh, without back-to-back games without a point is very impressive for a player that the Canucks are going to be seeing uh, a fair bit of over the next two weeks or so. He does like some multi-point games, too, and he leads their team at scoring, too. Uh, does Morrissey. So that's quite a stat. We thank you for that on the inbox. Cow Moo! Can you Cow Moo me? There you go. It's the Cow Moo, man. Uh, okay, I got one for you. Another audio one for I learned that, uh, you know, Brock Besser is not always the best interview in the world. He's not overly quotable. Brock is usually pretty reserved. May I use the D word? He's kind of dull. Flies below the radar. But what I learned last night was there are a couple of quotes in him which are somewhat catchy. You know, we know that they're going to be coming all over us everywhere on the ice. I don't know. I don't know if he thought that out completely. And maybe there's a reason Brock is kind of reserved and doesn't say a lot. Maybe that is the reason. Control yourself. But that was the quote. You saw the goal. You don't get it? I'm not going to explain it to you. I do get it. 
Well, not- Dan, you see. <laughs> 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 oh. Can the anyone? These guys, is I do get it. Oh, man. I don't want to know. But anyway, there's the quotable. That's the quote of the year. And you saw maybe the goal of the year for the Canucks from Quinn Hughes last night. I'm not saying Brock's wrong. Uh, what we learned, this from uh, Surrey Ryan, the management team of the Canucks will be doing the fans a disservice if they don't trade Horvat. I'm not going 100% that they don't because the Canucks change directions with the wind. And the wind has been changing, changing directions of late because you don't know where they're going. I assume they will trade Horvat. Everybody does. But, Dan, last year we assumed they would ro- move Miller and keep Horvat. And the next thing you know, well, now we're going to maybe do this. And then we'll sign Brock Besser in the offseason to a three-year deal that we're trying to get out of. And we'll lock Miller up for 20 years at $8 million to, although they can move him, the no trade doesn't click until next year. But now you have to find a team that has $8 bucks to spend if you wanted to move him. I don't know what they do. All I know is this will be a big moment for this management team to prove that they can do something and make a big deal and make a good big deal, Dan. He's the bargaining chip right now, but the wind is going to blow a different direction tomorrow, too. It always does in this city. I'm reading the text box here. Unsigned texter here. I don't care if Bo scores 60 goals this year. Trade him while he's hot. It'll clear up some cap space, get some defensemen and futures. Let the rebuild uh, begin again, please, God. Uh, please well, have to, sign yes. your texts. <laughs> Maybe it was from God. You know, his name's God, I think. is what Yes, that's what, yeah. that, that's what I gathered. I mean. That's what I thought. That's from God, man. <laughs> yeah. God says trade over it. Horvat, restructure your whole team. Well, they got to move somebody. I was not shedding a tear last year at the thought of moving Miller because you got to move somebody. I find I shed a tear at moving Horvat because he means more to me. Been around longer. But if I have to pick, if you made me choose, I got these two players. Who are you going to keep? I'm going to probably, if I have to make that decision, I'm going to keep Miller over or over uh, Horvat because of his the grind in his game, the grit in his game. He'll stick his nose in it. He'll fight and does well. I mean, it's a guy I wouldn't want to fight. He's glaring at you with that face. He can score. He's a, he's a kind of a team leader, that kind of go-through-the-wall guy, too. If I had to pick Dan between the two of them, I would keep Miller, but the fact that they couldn't or couldn't move him or wouldn't last year and now it's where someone's got to go to clean up what's going on behind the blue line. If they don't, they're just treading water. When Bo Horvat gets traded, if slash when, will it be the biggest Canucks trade? Like bigger than Kessler? Probably. Yeah. Uh, bigger yeah. than Luongo? They gave him, uh, well, I, they, I, they gave Kessler away basically just to get rid of him, didn't they? they didn't, yeah, I mean, they got I, a whole bunch of players, but they got moving parts. And they did flip. Uh, was it Schneider into a ninth overall previous regimes to that turned out to be Horvat? I'd say right. I'd say Horvat's bigger than those two only because Horvat's one of the best players in the league this year. I'm going back as you allude to. Uh, if you want to go, uh, yeah, right at the moment, this is a turning point for the franchise again. But the Bertuzzi deal for Luongo basically that was huge. That was big. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was huge. I was thinking the other way of Luongo, you know, leaving to Florida, but they got Markstrom for him in that deal, who couldn't play when he got here, and then rattled into for him. But this, this is this will be a big one. You don't see the Canucks or any team just trade their leading scorer potentially here, leading goal scorer and their captain. That doesn't happen every day. You no, trade it, him. It, it'll be big news across the league if and when Horvat gets moved, and it's uh, you hope it's for a haul. I mean, it better be. They can't screw this up. 
what we learned. Uh, I don't want to go there. Changed my mind. But we're getting people that enjoyed the clip of Brock Baxter from last night. Uh, we gave Neely to Boston. This is uh, Lino D. Maybe Lino. Uh, we gave Neely to Boston. Let's not give Horvat to Boston. We haven't learned the lesson yet. That's kind of a backsell on what we learned. What we learned is we haven't learned anything. Don't give Horvat to Boston. If Horvat goes there, yeah, he'd probably like to go closer to home anyway. Horvat, if he, if he goes there. Ooh, yeah, right. that'd be tough for Canucks fans to see. Out of all teams that he would end up on, the Bruins would be, uh, that'd be rough. Big move for them. What do they have to give Vancouver if you're in Boston? And if it's there's draft picks involved, if it's their own pick, that's uh, what? How many teams are in the league now? Thirty-two. That, that, that would be probably 31st <laughs> or 32nd overall. Yeah. yeah. I've lost count. Yeah. No, I mean, out of all the teams for Horvat to move to, they're one of the ones with the least amount of prospects to offer, so yeah. probably not the one you'd hope you would go, go to, but we'll see. I hear you, buddy. Hey. Dano, we're done, man. That's one baby in the books. That's the first of three in the books, baby. We're still breathing. I need to look for some snipers we when we go outside, though. Got my flak jacket on. Dan O'Connor, thanks, buddy. Talk to you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., pal. Great stuff. Pleasure. Great job, A-Dog. Great job, Brooke. See that's, you tomorrow. That's an A-Dog. I am a Brooke. That's a Dan O'Connor. Going deep. Coming up next. Thank you for going deep with us today. Hoffner Bruff back next Tuesday. We're back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Tell a friend. Brooke Ward with you. This is Sportsnet 650.